Alright guys, so today I'm actually really excited about today's episode of the Cymatic Show. We actually have a guy named Blank Formsen who Drew has actually been looking up to and watching his videos a lot. This guy is an expert at vintage equipment, tape recorders, uh, real life synthesizers, doing a lot of interesting stuff you don't see people doing in the music industry very often. Not to mention he's had some releases on Bitbird and we just thought he would be an amazing person, I mean honestly to bring in for us because like Drew's been really going in, especially with Project Dreams and, and you guys have seen with Eternity at really learning a lot about the vintage equipment because as you'll learn uh, in this episode, there's actually a lot of great stuff that you can do with that style of equipment. And one thing I think is important, guys, there's a lot of different ways to do production. And this whole, like using the vintage equipment is really like a lost art. Like a lot of the gear this guy's going to be talking about is stuff that almost nobody's using. And I think it's super valuable. So just pay attention to it. Listen with an open mind. And honestly, like, you know, maybe this is a time where you invest in a piece of equipment or, or just get opened up to this world. And I think you'll learn a lot from it. Um, but anyways, uh, we're going to jump right into it. Um, I just wanted to give this quick intro because the first about minute and a half did get lost in our episode through some technical difficulties, but we'll hop right in. All right, guys, we got another episode of the Cymatic Show. Super interesting guest today. We have Tyler Gilmore. How's it going, man? Uh, doing pretty good. He's also known as Blank Forms. You guys might know him as Blank4.ms, which we were calling him <laughs> That's for. That's what we were calling him until this morning, yeah. actually. Uh, but I just want to give a quick introduction to Tyler because he's super interesting. Um, so he's had a release on Bitbird, um, some very ambient type music, which, by the way, I was blown away. Like, I thought, like, okay, you know, you created awesome <laughs> content and stuff, and I was expecting to talk about that, plus your deep domain expertise and, and equipment. But, dude, when I heard the music, man, I was like, I had to show Jordan. I was like, Jordan, you got to sit down. He's like, yeah, let me listen to it real quick. I'm like, no, you got to like sit down and put these headphones on, you know, mm -hmm. it was like that type of thing, but definitely, definitely fucking amazing. But, but yeah, guys, Tyler is an expert with, I would say like, you know, tape recorders and a bunch of vintage equipment synths and a lot of hardware stuff that Drew's actually been doing in the studio. So we thought it'd be awesome to bring him down here to go deep on this stuff and talk about it. And also yeah. for me to learn. I'm excited. Yeah. Excited a, to talk about yeah, it. That's a secret thing we do. We bring in cool people to learn from and work yeah, with and try to share. Sure. And that, yeah, mutual learning. It's fucking awesome. I'll learn from you guys. Um, yeah. cool. I mean, we can start with just some music production stuff. Like, how'd you actually get into it in the first place? Yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long story. So I've been into music since, as a, like, as a kid, mm -hmm. always, since I was like, I don't know, I started piano at nine. I was just always super into it. And originally, I uh, got into making acoustic music. I was doing jazz and classical, went to school for all that stuff. Uh, all the way till I moved to New York about seven or eight years ago, I was doing that. And I was making some electronic music, but it was almost entirely uh, in the box. And it was more on the like, sort of like combining classical and avant-garde music with live electronics. And so I was doing that for a few years in New York, improvising with people a lot. Uh, but sort of wanting to find a new outlet, wanting to find new audiences, wanting to like connect with different kinds of musicians, because I'd always been into electronic music, but sort of like hadn't quite let myself get there or something. It always mm -hmm. been sort of like in this box of what I had <clears throat> learned in music school and what I had done up to that point, what all my teachers had sort of like just led me into doing for better or for worse. Um, and so I, uh, I bought my first synth, which is just a little uh, Volca Keys, Korg Volca Keys. Actually, I was going to ask you about it because yeah. I see you use it all the time. Yeah, yeah I love that thing. Um, and uh, part of what got me excited about just messing around with synths was watching people on Instagram mess around with synths. And so as soon as I got it and started making things, I was like, I bet I could do that. So I started making videos. And as soon as I was making videos, <coughs> I was getting tons of interesting comments and just engagement with the posts. And it was fun. And it just sort of like turned into a thing. And I kept going and kept uh, trying new gear. And each new thing was like super exciting. And so here we are. It's a rabbit hole, man. For real. It's a money rabbit hole, it's too. A, it's, an addiction. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like interesting because like the second you open up that doorway, you know, Drew even started talking about it. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, man, what other what other kinds of equipment exist that we have? You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's a lot. Played around. There's so much. It goes on. And then the old stuff gets so expensive because there's like not any around and they're super expensive to service. Mm -hmm. Even that, that thing we did with Son. So when Son Holo came in town and he was playing with that like Yamaha keyboard. SK-1. Um, yeah. It, it it actually, that whole week we were putting out content and stuff and it got featured in a lot of little different things. And then the, the price of it spiked because mm -hmm. the, 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 it's an aftermarket product, you know? And yeah. We I've, saw like a specific dip up and we're like, holy crap, we affected like the economy of this I've seen Heimbach talk about it too with his videos, certain ones that go off see that specific piece of gear just shoot up right then yeah i get i get accused of uh like raising the price of tape <laughs> machines fairly often i mean actually. what could you do though it's and like, they've like doubled since i started posting with them so that's funny 
Um, as far as tape machines go, what do you think like a very, very beginner should get started with? Yeah, sure. Um, so the two things you want are like a good mixer, like a, some sort of like small mixing board that is a part of the machine, mm -hmm. and then also pitch control. And the more pitch control you have, the better. So like uh, some of them have like a fast <laughs> speed, slow speed, slow speed switch that's like double the speed. Mm -hmm. And then also a dial that'll, you know, just make it faster or slower. Between those two things, mixer and speed dial is where kind of all the creativity can come in. So the best ones I've worked with that have that are uh, Tascams, like Tascam 424 or 414. That's what I've been using a lot. Yeah, I saw that. You, you, you made good choices. <coughs> yeah, I've been researching a ton, especially based on your videos, honestly. Mm -hmm. but um, can, can you talk about why you like using like a tape recorder so much versus like, let's say, just using a doll? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a little like I don't know what because I don't is. think it's our like I don't think magic. our producers, by the way, fully understand it because I didn't even fully understand it. And then Drew, like, even as he was talking about it, especially then when I heard the result, I was like, oh, this is why. You know, what sure. I'm saying? yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, sort of two answers. Like one is just like when I first bought one. My first one was a four one four, and I just started like making tape loops and just recording things on there and listening to what the tape was doing to it. I was instantly just like. With like, where have you been all my life? I know, that's <laughs> like, how I felt too. <laughs> <laughs> so incredible. Um, but my theory on like the technical side of things is that the tape, like, it affects so many things at once. The most important thing it affects is the pitch because it, it creates just a little bit of randomness in any pitch and a little bit that is like, it's almost too subtle to hear, but if you hear it, like a bead, like without it, mm -hmm. it's like so much life is lost without that just little bit of like pitch warble that's in there. But in addition to all that, you can do so much to add like a ton more pitch warble. So I feel like pitch is the most important thing. And then also there's like a lot of interesting like filtering, like EQ filtering and volume things that are also like slightly randomized by the tape, just depending on like how it's flowing through the spindles or whatever, or if it's like if the tape's got little <coughs> folds in it or if it's an old tape versus a new tape, quality of the tape. There's just so many like unpredictable aspects that are constantly like changing just a little bit um, that it gives any, any signal like more life in that way, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think really the key thing um, is that all those things that it's subtly moving and changing, it's also subtly moving and changing them together. So like if the pitch switches a little bit, it's also filtered slightly different in that moment. And it's also like when the volume moves, the pitch also moves a little bit. And all these things kind of like change a bit together. And I think this is the thing that like, at least with the cassette plugins I've used so far, they haven't quite gotten. They've got everything happening individually. Once you explained that, I saw that on your Instagram. And mm -hmm. once you explained that, I started listening for it. And I was like, that's why they don't sound quite the same it's mm -hmm. nothing is oh, yeah, connected together tell me about it's this. like all separate random effects and then you're like dialing up a vinyl crackle mm -hmm. like as a volume knob but it's a sample it's not like embedded into the audio it's sitting on top of it it sounds so much different yeah absolutely do, yeah, do you think it, work together do you think it's possible because i do think it's possible one day to truly recreate that type of vibe in a software or, or is it almost like impossible I mean, I hope so, or I hope Tascam starts making tape machines again, because we're eventually going to run out of them. They're all going to break down. So I hope somebody can pull it off. Interesting. Microphone. I'm hoping it's us. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we want to badly. But I, I, it's been, been making me think uh, like lo-fi plugins in general. I just haven't been using them ever since I got this stuff. I'm like, why would I use that? Sure, you're going to be stocked up. I go to your house, you just have like oh, up you don't to the ceiling. Understand. It's already it's no, I'm like saying that. You, you just buy up every single fucking tape, some <laughs> random tape recorder. You're like, these are gold. I found one for 50 bucks at a thrift store that works yesterday. So oh, right. I haven't tried recording on it, but it at least plays tape. So, I mean, that's, that's half the battle. So. Man, and part of what uh, the experience I've had with it is working with the tape machines has taught me just like how to mix things and given me ideas to mix in ways that don't like sound exactly like tape. <clears throat> but if I know I just want like just the like EQ portion of it, mm -hmm. there are ways you can sort of like, you know, create at least just that. Or like with pitch motion, at this point I use pitch motion on fucking everything. I mm -hmm. post, it's everywhere. And that has a lot to do with So what do you tape. do in the doll now? Because I know you don't just record onto a tape and that's it obviously you do some stuff mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um what exactly is that 
It's kind of always different. Like I do like to take a lot of things and like say I'll like uh, <clears throat> compose like a melody or something and I'll send that out to a synth via MIDI and record that back into the DAW. And then once I have that like nice pristine digital file of it, I will record that out onto a tape and then back in. And then sometimes I'll like use the tape to affect it in like performative sorts of ways, mm -hmm. like just having my uh, hands just subtly on that pitch dial and just moving it a little bit as things like just not so much that you, like you're really thinking about it, but it can just give it such a vibe to have just like a little bit of pitch motion. Or uh, like in those videos, kind of what you were messing around with in your video where you have a tape loop that's running outside of it mm -hmm. and you're just kind of touching just it, barely playing touching with it. it. Yeah. yeah, it gives it such a nice quality. When, when you're going to make your music, I hear so many random elements all over the place, right? <clears throat> that are like interesting textures, tones, and stuff you just wouldn't expect from it. It doesn't feel like you can predict it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, are you like when you go into making a song? Do you have a certain vision in your head for that, or are you messing around just finding bits of gold and it just goes in whatever direction, just based on your production style? Yeah, sure. Um, a little of both. I'm pretty. I do like to plan things out a lot. Like I like to <clears throat> like compose the sort of notes and rhythms first, and just have an idea of what that's going to be. And oftentimes I'll have that fully like in the DAW ahead of time, and just create mm -hmm. that on like soft sense or whatever and even map out a form or like half of the form or something just so I know how that stuff's going to happen because I find that when I have like notes and rhythms and good chords and all that stuff like in place it's going to like everything else is going to be like exponentially better mm -hmm. based on that it like builds on that um so so yeah I'll start there and then I'll just start like sending things out to tape or just seeing you know using pedals sort of like uh, texturizing things is like the one of the later <clears throat> steps, I guess, in the process. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that you're hearing like I don't know. I guess there is like a lot of random stuff. There's a lot. I of, think like, that's coming from the tape itself. Though. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not like your typical music. I would say at all. <laughs> you know, like I don't even think a lot of people could even achieve that kind of sound if they tried. If they don't know this kind of stuff. I mean, they I, couldn't do it with just a doll. I don't think there's I, no way. It'd be a lot of work. You know what's sure. funny? I, I was only planning on like clicking through your songs and just check them out real quick, write some notes for the show, and then I started listening. And I just sat there mm. probably 45 minutes this morning. I'm like, God damn! Like these are so amazing. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was I was blown away. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was definitely uh, some good stuff. That's why I was kind of curious on that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You want to talk about pedals more? Um, and Love maybe to. talk about like how you're using them versus what a guitarist would do because it's a whole different monster, I think. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I have them, you know, they're just right here. They're instruments. Mm -hmm. um, man, there's so many good things happening with pedals right now. <laughs> you should just People. start You should just start on what you're most excited about right now. Uh, yeah, I love, I love a, bunch of, a bunch of pedals. Um, there are a few delay pedals that just, blow my mind and do beautiful things and actually I'll just grab them. Yeah, yeah I'll grab, grab some and definitely. I, I'm getting recommendations right now too. I'm going I'm going to spend two grand after this podcast is over. We're gonna spend two grand <laughs> we're gonna sneak his, his bag. He's not gonna, <laughs> he's gonna show up at the airport and be like, where'd that bag go? <laughs> oh, I think yes. a lot of people I mean that's what I thought. I thought guitar pedals, I'm thinking guitar. I wasn't thinking like a real life effects. I think a lot of people think. Even he said, asked if I was a guitarist when he saw all my random pedals, <laughs> yeah, really. and I was like, "Dude, like I, I could never played an instrument in my life." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a nice setup. Um, man, where to start? So, just delays to begin with. Like, there's so many different kinds of delays, and you want to hold know, one for of the delays up real quick? Yeah. Yeah, sure. This guy. Oh, what camera? Oh, this, this is right here. Yeah, camera. There we go. Um, I mean, you know, like for people who like are wondering, like, what's a delay? It's just like an echo. Basically, it's mm -hmm. taking a signal and repeating it over and over. But there's like this huge sort of history of delays from like tape delays when things first started, where it's just like a mono tape that's literally like recording. It's just a tape loop, like what you and I have been mm -hmm. doing, uh, running and playing the signal back every time the tape comes back. And it's like recording and playing simultaneously. Um, and then sort of like the beginnings of digital or I guess like chip-based delays. I honestly don't know that much about how mm -hmm. it all works. Um, but some of the first <laughs> kinds of delays that came around were called bucket brigade delays, which I also have no idea what that means, but they sound glorious. So I just go with it. 
And so this one, I actually don't know what the exact kind of like uh, chip or whatever is in this guy, but it has that kind of vibe that like old school, either early digital or like just before that sort of a vibe. This is the Echo Dream by uh, Death by Audio. And it, uh, it has like kind of, it takes the signal and gives it kind of like a super nice, like bit crushy, kind of like saturated, but also like kind of digitized and noisy quality. And then also uh, has an LFO that like takes the pitch and just like kind of moves it gently. And then you can also feedback delays on top of themselves. So you can get all these versions of a sound sort of like in a soup on top of each other. And they're all sort of like mm -hmm. pitch wise a little different. So they start to sort of like uh, beat against each other and contrast. And you can get these really lovely kind of like ugly or, you know, more mellow tones of just one sound just kind of against each other. Um, and then it's also got like uh, an incredible uh, like fuzz distortion that goes over the top of it. And so it's just like, uh, I don't know, it's a vibe. How many pedals do you usually use together at one time? I don't tend to actually like string them up in a row like a guitar player usually, would yeah, very I've often. Yeah, I've noticed you usually use one, right? Yeah, I'll just try to like find like what the right, like, yeah, just what the vibe is with that pedal. Sometimes two in a row, but not much more than is, that. Is it something that comes quick when you hook it up, like within, you know, 10 minutes, or is it something you're messing with for hours just to look for a little? A lot of times quick, and I don't even realize it. Like a lot of times I'll get a new pedal and start playing with it and realize like an hour later I should have recorded what happened in the first five <laughs> minutes because yeah. that's when the really good stuff happens. And it's all about, at least for me, like not thinking about what it says on the pedal and what all the things do and what the, what the manual says. Like mm -hmm. the manual can be helpful sometimes, but a lot of times when I just let my mind like fully wander is when like I find the good shit. I feel like the fact that there is such limited amount of knobs on pedals actually leads it to being more useful than like a plug-in with five thousand knobs in it you know what i mean absolutely because you're yeah. like playing with the important stuff and not a bunch of random stuff yeah you're not getting distracted <laughs> it's like the limitations like open up the creativity That's i've it. heard flum talk about where when he got all of his software and all of his shit deleted off his computer is when he got way better all of a sudden because he had to use like limited stuff because he didn't want to re-download everything oh, and he said he got so much better that's when he i think learned all that weird ableton warping stuff he does and mm. i think in, in general humans try to overcomplicate shit yeah know? They think the answer is like some crazy thing when it's really usually getting the basics down really well. Oh, yeah. yeah for absolutely. Sure. Yeah, looking at DAWs oftentimes just makes my mind melt. Like, <laughs> and I'll have buddies come over and bring over like all the plugins they have that they think I should try yeah. and put them all on a drive. And I'm just a little bit like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. How I've been getting that. kind of burnt on using computers. I've been like, I don't want to touch computers. I just want to touch gear right now mm -hmm. <laughs> just because it's so much fun. Uh, you want to talk about the, the mood pedal a little bit? Yeah, it's a lovely guy. Um, this is like, it's kind of a looper, but they did super interesting things with it, like having it, uh, it doesn't just loop the signal, it like cuts it up in a somewhat randomized way, so you don't have full control over what the signal's going to be. You're sort of like at the mercy of whatever it chops up and creates, but it tends to create like an interesting texture. You have a little control over like what the texture feels like, but not that much. Um, and then on the other side of it is a, like a delay and a reverb that you can then pass the loop over to the delay or reverb. And then you can even pass that back and you can get things sort of like talking to each other back and forth between the two. That sounds awesome. And there are other pedal uh, that I have warp vinyl is incredible too. Mm -hmm. That one sounds mm -hmm. so good for like that random. How much do these run you? <laughs> Well, because I know somebody's thinking about buying them right this second. You know? <laughs> yeah, that one's expensive, I'm sure. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, a lot of companies, including I think pretty much everybody here, uh, in the rollouts of their pedals. Mm -hmm. So, so I've been working with these in trade. So I couldn't tell you what they cost, but I know uh, the Chase Bliss ones are expensive. All theirs are like. It. Th for a pedal, three fifty to five hundred, oh, okay. it gets up there. But then, uh, like, how much? I, I'm sure. Some of these are probably a little bit cheaper, like 200 or less. I would imagine. I mean, when you're buying plugins, like it's not much more expensive to just buy a pedal. If it might be cheaper sometimes, to mm -hmm. be honest, and you get cooler results mm -hmm. and it's more fun. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I got a. Uh, so first off, I like your Instagram captions specifically. Oh, yeah, I feel like I get a little like music inspiration quote or, or some sort of food for you know information for thought. I have one right here I want to read to you and kind of get your, your thoughts on this oh whole boy. thing as a whole. Right. 
your words. What the <laughs> what fuck did I write down? <laughs> 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 I, thought, I thought it was interesting. It stuck out to me. I actually wanted to, to I was going to cut it and make it into a post. Uh, you wrote down, isn't it, uh, isn't it better when it feels broken? Every time I try to make something sound good, it comes out too sweet and clean. Every time I throw all caution to the wind and really start fucking up the sounds, I get interesting results. Hmm. Um, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Is Is that a good way to maybe explain your creative process a bit? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally feel that. that that's fairly recent. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I'm always better when I'm turning the brain off and just sort of like, uh, yeah, letting things get, get messed up and just not caring about what what it feels like it's supposed to be in any sense. Mm-hmm. And usually that's when the good things happen. And it's usually not when I think not when I'm doing something I've planned. Like obviously I was saying earlier, I like create compositions, but almost having the structure of those compositions in the DAW already allows me to, when I start like busting them out into like delays and whatnot, because the structure's already there, I can just kind of go off and let my subconscious like play. Mm-hmm. And then it gets more interesting from there. That's hard to get in that mood. How do you, mm. how do you get into the mode where you're like, I'm not going to think about this and I'm going to just... <laughs> let my brain wander because that's a hard <laughs> um man i don't know i've gotten that question before i'm kind of a space cadet so, so i feel so like i get there comes. i get there easily it's like uh where i naturally want to be i guess i don't know um i mean definitely uh like like making sure to like set aside all your stresses so like if i'm going to be working a lot in a few days I'll oftentimes like take a few days and just try to knock off my entire to-do list so there's nothing that's like sitting in the back of my brain at all. Mm. And whatever I can't get done, I'll like make a plan for when it's going to get done and how it's going to get done so that when I'm just like in the studio working, there's nothing else that can possibly be existing. Even in places where I'm not even conscious of them existing, I feel like those stresses still impact you. Uh, so I try to set aside time and when I can set aside like full days, multiple full days, that's when I can like really get in a space. Do you know when you're in it or do, do you realize after? Cause I feel like I realize after sometimes I was like, well, I was just in this really good space, but I didn't even realize that. <laughs> yeah. It's like flow state. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of times, at least I won't realize until I'm like later in the day, like having to talk to people or something. And it's like, oh, wow. It's, is- it's weird to talk to people <laughs> I'm like in the wrong space for this. Yeah. Are you sure. are you uh, are you like outcome, like not dependent on your outcome in that in that state? You would say like not worried if the song comes out good or bad. You're just having fun. Um, yeah, I feel like at least for, have you guys ever seen where did I see this? This was years ago. There was like a quote from Mad Lib or something where he's like, "You you guys don't even hear like ten percent of what I make. Like it's just yeah. the smallest bit." And I feel like as an artist, like you you got to be like so comfortable with making a ton of crap because uh-huh. like there's this um like john steinbeck quote it's like i'm not a good writer i'm a good rewriter and i feel like i'm the same way like i just have to like create a ton and then like the skill is in going back and like finding when the good moments were uh-huh. and just knowing that those are the moments to like share with folks so like a 30 second clip on instagram was probably like an hour or more of recording and me just like figuring out like here's the moment when it hit and and sharing that no that's awesome um do you want to talk about some of the sense you use yeah i love i mean i feel like we could talk about this all day (laughs) we are going to be talking about this all day after the podcast too for sure (laughs) yeah i mean i I use a bunch of different stuff um like i was saying earlier i started by using just little guys little korg volkas which are lovely and awful all at once like super limited but at times, super wonderful. The the fucking chord, the keys, the Volca keys mm-hmm. is awesome. That's the first one I got. Uh, Volca FM, super great too. Um, so once I got those, I just, you know, had the addiction. And I picked up a Moog, a Moog Sub Fatty, which is a monophonic synth. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the quality of oscillator and just like how it sounds. It's just so, so nice and clear and like fits in a mix what do you so use nicely. that for just bass lines mostly only? bass and when i bought it because it's like marketed as a bass synth and when mm-hmm. i bought it i was like no i'm gonna use this for everything but it's just so good for bass yeah i feel like you're i mean you could only do leads and bass basically you can't do chords on it oh yeah so. absolutely 
you're kind of limited in that in the first yeah. place. Yeah, you can get into interesting like textural and noisy sorts of things, especially if you're using like a, a like complex sequencer stuff mm -hmm. or a modular synth with it. You could probably do some really interesting like uh, arpeggiated textural sort of things. But yeah, for bass, that's just so incredible because you can like dial in just like the perfect amount of like whatever harmonic you need to pop out on top or like whatever sort of like all the filtering qualities. Cause a lot of times I'll do, I'll track bass later and I'll like have a lot of things built out in the track and being able to find out like what is like the exact right bass sound for this track and make it just like fit in and be clear, but not overpowering and all that. And the dog would take me forever and I would mm -hmm. like never quite get there. But with that thing, I can just like zero in on this panel of like, I don't know, like 12 knobs. There are basically like 12 ways to change the tone. And usually within an hour of working with that thing, I've got something that's like feeling just right. That's that's what I was talking about with being limited with like small amounts of stuff. Because like you sit there with Serum, you could tweak like 5,000 settings all day and never mm -hmm. get to the sound you want. But mm -hmm. <laughs> with that, you're just a few settings and you got it. Um, what about like pad sense besides the vocal key? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I have a Prophet 6, which is like an incredible polyphonic synthesizer. I mean, there's so many polysynths now, but Prophet 6 is like a lovely one. Um, and it's just, uh, it's great. It's got uh, six voices, all analog. It's got some digital effects on there and some things you can do. But it's really pretty basic, like square wave, saw wave, just sort of like your standard synthesizer stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's based on their the original one they were like famous for, which is the Prophet 5 from the 70s, um, which is all, it was like one of the first polyphonic synthesizers to like really blow up. And it's all just the basic stuff, but it's the basic stuff done well. And it sounds incredible. Have you tried an OP1? I've never tried an OP1. Yeah, I've been, been no. wanting to get one. I've been seeing some cool stuff lately. With Is that them. that one that's super expensive on the resale market? Yeah, right? because they, they, they saw they were getting re high resale, so then they relaunched Teenage Engineering. Yeah. relaunched with the resale price that people were reselling them for instead of the original yeah. price. <laughs> yeah. People got pissed. Yeah, it went up a lot. It was like 150% of what it yeah, was. It was, <laughs> like, it was like plus like 700 bucks. Yeah, streetwear companies probably get shit for that. Oh, yeah. Like imagine Supreme saw that their stuff was reselling for, for like 5000 but they're like, okay, well, everything's gonna be this much now. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? They're like some Jordans or like yeah, I want to get one of those now. though. I've been seeing some really cool stuff with tape loop stuff people have been doing on YouTube. I mean, tons of people. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked about tape loops yet. We mentioned mm -hmm. them, but people mm -hmm. don't even know yeah. what they are. So, you want to first explain maybe what they are? Yeah, tape loops are awesome. It's a really simple concept. It's like just you know, you imagine. You know, we're talking about cassette tapes mm -hmm. and they're just running literal tape in their little plastic shell and it's just running through and from one side to the other. But you can very easily just take some of that tape and splice it together, like literally with scotch tape, tape it together into a literal loop and just let that loop run through and it just plays, just loops infinitely. Uh, and so using those, you can kind of turn your tape machine into like a textural instrument. You can record things on, uh, spit it out through pedals or into the DAW. And sort of the magic of tape loops is that they are inherently imperfect, like just in the like taping it together and getting your hands all over it and whatnot kind of fucks up the tape. Mm -hmm. And the, what you have done to the tape like sort of like makes it this like unique document. Whatever you put on it is going to be like colored by the, the history of that tape, what you just did to that tape. Um, and so you end up with like the things you put on that instantly become like their own. They have their own signature. And so then using that in projects and whatnot is beautiful. What, what's your favorite way to fuck up a tape? Oh, man. Um, I mean... Great question. Sometimes I just like literally just crumple them up in my hands and it just like gets all foldy and it's just like you get more dropouts and what I mean, I'll play you later. We can make some videos oh, showing some of this. Uh, there's, it, it does nice things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, like stuff in the videos, letting it run outside of the tape and back in. And there's a bunch of folks that, that are doing this. Like there's a guy named Ambulance, Ambulance, who does this kind of stuff really well also. All sorts of like running tapes out. Yeah, Heinbach does it too. He yep, does sure. all kinds of weird stuff. And for then sure. destruction where you like 
run the tape against like a knife or something where it slowly oh, yeah. peels <laughs> off, but it sounds really good. Like over time, it's slowly destroying your signal until it, it goes into yeah. nothing. Have you guys, have you ever heard of the disintegration mm-hmm. loops? Yeah, that's what all that stuff is based on. It's yeah, so cool. Yeah, for sure. William Bazinski, incredible. And, and by the way, for those of you guys who haven't ever seen this, it's probably hard to visualize. I mean, literally imagine a cassette tape and the tape is literally running out and around like a pole or anything in your room and then coming back. So it's like fucking up along the way. It's the most bizarre thing to actually look at. Yeah, it's a very, very low. I bought some magnets too. Have you ever tried that? No, I've thought about that. Just try to like, just touch it for a second. Not like just destroy, obviously, but maybe in a couple spots, like just seeing if it does something. I was going to try that out. I bet it would. I have a tape head demagnetizer, which is meant to like, sort of like fix them. Sort of Mm -hmm. like you update it every once in a while. And I think doing that with the tape also would be super interesting. I'm I'm just trying everything. It's, yeah, it's so much fun. I'm mm-hmm. just gonna sit in my room for the rest of my life and destroy tapes. I guess now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Um, we could talk about more synth stuff because I mean that's a a wild world. I mean, I'm trying to get more advice on synths. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what have you been using? Um, no, I don't have like any right now. So I'm trying to get started. I was definitely gonna get a vocal key and uh, what the Prophet Six that you mentioned. I'm mm. trying to get stuff for pad stuff, more ambient stuff, especially. Dude, his mm. pads are fucking wild, man. Mm. I was listening to the Yeah, his those. pads are so good. I'm listening to one of your Instagram loops, I swear, for five minutes. I was like, nice. listen, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I try to make them so people can just let them play. Yeah, I like that your YouTube tutorials are like that too, because there's so many YouTube guys that are like, they're like, okay, here's how you do it. And then they play it, and it's like it's just some shitty <laughs> song. You know what I mean? Like whatever they threw together for that video, but your stuff is actually yeah. good. You so. know what I would even tell people? I would even tell them to put on their headphones because it's not the same. Yeah. Mm. Listening out on your, just your phone when you're scrolling down versus because I had my noise canceler, and like I said, I was like, whoa, feeling the full effects of it. Yeah, yeah, people comment on that sometimes. I mix them for like full the full it's spectrum weird. for sure. It's weird to think about how much work goes into content that's just getting seen on a tiny screen. Well, some guy's shitting. Yeah, mm-hmm. like <laughs> so much work goes into this content. It's yeah. just like, uh, you want to talk about your video process actually? Yeah, sure. Um, like how do you set up first of all, like for those overhead shots? Because I know some people struggle with getting just a good shot so they can do their thing, you know? Yeah, I need to get a better setup like this actually. These guys are great. Um, I have, I'm using a DSLR camera, a Canon Rebel T5i, for those who care. And it's on, literally on a mic stand, like a boom mic stand, just like has a mm-hmm. joint in it and a little extension. And uh, my, I don't have a super wide angle lens, so I actually have to set it up pretty high above the table. And uh, so yeah, so it's just that camera facing down. And then all the audio, I go in straight into the DAW, so I'm not going into the camera itself because the analog to digital on the camera like I compared the two mm. and it's just not nearly as good it was losing yeah. a lot of quality uh, so I go in through an Apogee uh, interface and then into live that's, that's awesome, basically man. the setup has, has you, have you made some interesting connections just because your type of content because I expect you to attract a, a lot of like I would say even higher level people I mean even Son I always see commenting on your stuff just because he's into that stuff you know yeah for sure I mean he and I connected through Instagram um, yeah I mean I've met a bunch of folks in musical worlds that I had never traversed before like hip hop world pop music um, yeah I've had a bunch of people reach out I've had I've sent out music to tons of people for their projects. Nothing that's like slated yet, so I can't like necessarily mm-hmm. say say names and whatnot. But like some things that would be super fun and exciting if they come out. But man, I've connected with so many, also like producers, just like people like me who are just like you know wanting to make content and wanting to make albums. Yeah. Instagram's crazy. It's so good. It's We've great. We've had so many. I mean, you're here. You know. Everyone's every guest comes from Instagram. Yeah, yeah, probably every single one, actually. <laughs> Way better than email. Way better. Email's yeah. too much back and forth. I just don't answer them, man. I just hate to say it. If you email me, there's a low chance you get an answer <laughs> straight up because there's so many coming there's through. There's too many words. Yeah, you're fall very fast skim. That's a, that's a quick tip. Everybody needs to shorten their fucking emails. I get like, for example, people asking for jobs that will send like 50 paragraphs. I'm like, dude, I don't have time to read this. If you send like, yo, I got this experience and this, love to work for you, then... <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? yeah, you got to make it easy. Yeah, yeah I get, I, I'm sure you guys get this too. I get a ton of Instagram messages and like I want to respond to all of them. Like I mm-hmm. want to connect with all these people. But when people send me questions that are super difficult or like I know it's like just like a five paragraph question and I'm, I don't have the 10 minutes to dictate this into DMs right now. <laughs> I just like I mean to respond. But it's just no, like, it's, you know, sometimes it just Instagram never happens. Is such a, 
such such a short attention span type of thing. Mm-hmm. Me and Drew talk about that. Like people are like barely even like conscious when they're scrolling through Instagram sometimes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like tough to be, you know. Wait till you see that list. I can't wait to show you that actually <laughs> yeah. later. That list is like you're going to be like, who are these people that follow me? You know? Yeah, sure. No, that's going to be fascinating. Like you feel like you know based on who reaches out, but like we were talking about earlier, there's so many lurkers. So many lurkers. Also, I'm a lurker. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. Too. You want to talk about microphones? Do you do you use any special microphones for like recording oh. or anything like that? Uh, just kind of change the subject there. But. Yeah, no, no, no. I just didn't hear you. Um, I actually don't use microphones much at all. Like I have some old ones I bought off Craigslist like a decade ago, but they're not special, honestly. Like I used to do like all my piano recording with the SM57 and now I have a couple like old dynamic microphones that sound okay, but they're not fancy. But I'm also playing on like a, just a spinet piano. Mm-hmm. It's like out of tune. Are you and... using piano for your stuff? Like acoustic piano? Yeah, like do you actually record it and then oh, run yeah. it into tape and stuff? I haven't, I haven't seen any of that stuff from you, so I definitely Yeah, see totally. That. No, uh, I mean, you would have heard it on half of you. I did. Like a no, lot of that, that. That piano run in the background? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah a, lot of that, a lot of that record is pure piano. And the record I made before that, which is called Works for Tape and Piano, is literally just those two things. Oh, that's cool. Would you, would you use for those big chords that just run through that whole song? Uh, that's Prophet 6. Uh, Prophet 6 and uh, another delay, or not delay pedal, uh, Reverb pedal called the Ventress, which I love. Uh, I don't have it here, but it's lovely. But yeah, Prophet Six can sound. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get one. How huge. much are those? Uh, I got mine used, and it was fifteen hundred. And it's the um, like the desktop version. It's not the full keyboard. Yeah. So I think the full keyboard's more. Do, yeah. Do you know some gear that's like uh, for listeners listening, like affordable ways to start getting involved with some of the analog gear? Is there anything you'd recommend that's potentially even under a hundred bucks? That you say oh, is a good buy. Man, under 100 is tough, to be quite honest. Like, the Volca Keys is awesome, and you can get those for probably used, like, 120 or mm-hmm. something. And that's a great way to start messing around with analog synths, and it sounds, you know, nice and trashy and lo-fi in all the ways you would want it to. Tape machines are more difficult. Like, I kind of don't recommend people start off with, like, the really basic ones that are, like... I don't know, just like have level and panning and that's it. And just the four tracks because there's really not that much you can do. Or even sometimes people buy like uh, just like stereotype machines and there's really nothing you can do. Um, so you kind of got to start with, like I was saying earlier, with like the mixing board and the pitch control. And then you're looking at like three to $400, which for what you get, it's still a steal, even though you'll hear that the, pre- the prices are going up. Mm-hmm. They can still do so much. Like, I mean, they're, they're not awesome. like four hundred bucks. Like if you're investing in like rockets or something like that, it's not that much money because they're they're much. still four hundred dollars right now. Well, you don't also have to buy that thirty times a year. Like this could yeah, be no, one you, thing you're saving up for, yeah. and you snag one. And if you're buying good gear and taking care of it, you're not really like losing money. You're just like putting it there. And if you want to sell that in a year, you're Holds probably out. yeah. That's sell a really good point. Price. Actually, a lot of people don't know that. I actually found that out not too long ago because uh, Reed Stefan told me he literally will buy keyboards and just keep them in the closet and as an investment for later on to sell because he knows they're going to go up in value in a mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's actually a really good investment. So yeah, I think people are doing that with tape machines a lot these days. Yeah, I so. might have to just start keep hoarding them like I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to be the one that raises the price. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this podcast is only, raising only the price <laughs> right now. <laughs> you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll I better them. go buy a few after this. Yeah. <laughs> They'll all be disappeared, and then you'll see a little tab on some access sites like vintage gear. <laughs> yeah. Only place you can <laughs> yeah. buy this. Yeah. Right. 3,000. No, they're always kind of coming. You got to like look like every week. It's something, it's not like something that you just look once. You look every week and wait till one comes up on the market because it's like people selling them. It's not like they're on Amazon or something to buy, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Do they not have anything new like that? Nothing. Nothing, nothing that's a a full fledged four track. What's the other four track that you use? The it's a black one. Uh, I have a bunch. That one you're probably thinking of the Porta One, which yeah. is an earlier Tascam, and it's just like before they got super plasticky and like blue or whatever they mm-hmm. often tend to be. Um, it's just a little earlier, but it, it's great. It's like maybe a little higher quality in terms of like build, and some of the components sound like better than the other ones. But it's also the mixer's a little noisier, so in some ways it's not as great. Mm-hmm. But it's the same basic thing: pitch control, a mixer. 
two speeds. Do you notice that all those have like different characteristics? Like one thing we noticed with the four two four is that we could run drums through it way hotter, but then the four one four would clip a lot easier. Do you notice a lot of stuff like that? Yeah, I have two four one fours, and they sound totally different from each other. Wow, wow. So, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because this stuff is also old, and some people have serviced them, and some people haven't. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. Like it's uh, when you're buying when you're buying these, it's always a little risky. Um, but sometimes you get something that just sounds magical. That's the only way to describe all this is just magic. Yeah, for sure. And that's a good point about running things like, like just through the mixing board. Mm -hmm. I do that all the time with all, all my tape machines. Like they're basically incredible saturation and distortion devices, especially when you get like, like a pad going, like you were saying, and then some bass in there and the way the bass sort of like modulates mm -hmm. everything and just makes it all wobble because it's are you saying like just running it straight through like an external audio and then straight back into ableton yeah like without without Definitely. doing anything yeah i noticed it sounds so good even just doing that yeah like if you have an interface like an eight out eight in mm -hmm. interface or even four yeah actually four would be all you need and just literally just outs into the tape machine and then back into the, mm -hmm. the daw and you're just messing with like how much you're saturating and distorting things and then also this is why having the mixer is so great uh, the EQ, like highs and lows, because a lot of times the highs and lows on those machines just sound beautiful in an 80s, early 90s sort mm -hmm. of way. Um, the amount of like character you can add to a sound, or just like sound design stuff you can do, it's awesome. Ha have you ever had some sort of accident that sounded amazing, but you can't recreate it? Oh, for sure. Every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, well, I can't think of like an example right off the top of my head, but like, that happens with the tapes all the time. Like you'll record something, especially with tape loops, because you don't have control over how long they are and when it's going to like restart and uh -huh. whatnot. So it's almost always a little bit like you record it, you play it back. It's like, well, it's not quite what I played, but it's better. Yeah. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you right here, actually. Um, one second. Um, oh, I was going to ask you about drums because that's one thing you obviously you don't do a lot, at least on Instagram, a lot of content that has drums in it, but you do have music with drums in it. So how do you approach writing them and then also processing them? They're pretty fucking minimal too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't go huge on that. I'm, I'm sort of like starting to a little more, but, um, man, be honest, I'm still learning. Like I, I don't, I haven't messed with a lot of like uh drum sample packs sample sets or even like what's on the gear i have like samplers i have and whatnot um at the moment i'm really into just using noise like tape noise other kinds of noise and just make that like the sound source for every like percussive element like you know how this this might be getting super into like the synthesis weeds though so i bet you guys do this on I mean, some plugins and whatnot yeah like taking just like a white noise sound source, so like tape noise, I'll mm -hmm. just like record tape noise and have it uh, fairly like um, loud, like saturated, compressed, mm -hmm. so you're really getting like all of the frequency spectrum. Take that and put it through uh, a filter and then uh, have that filter, uh, the resonance pretty, pretty far up and have like a filter envelope on it so it's moving fast. This is sort of like how you create a kick. This is like mm -hmm. how like the old synthesized kicks like on an 808 or whatever were created. It's like noise into a filter or sometimes synth sound into a filter. Um, so like using a good filter to like create those percussion sounds out of tape noise and whatnot. Or you can like very easily like just like open up, uh, like turn the volume up quickly and then back down quickly an envelope, basic envelope stuff on like high pitch noise to create kind of like hi-hat sorts of sounds mm -hmm. or symbol-y sorts of sounds. Um, yeah, I get super inspired by like having the idea of the whole sound source of a piece being based on tape or being based on something that is like intrinsically involved in the song itself. Do you ever separate that from the main session or do you, like do you, when you make these drums, are you sitting there doing that in your creative process or are you separating that and making drums and then using them later? Oh, that's interesting. I don't drop a lot of loops into things, like pre-made loops, but I do like... Even like the one-shots, I mean like... Yeah, for sure that. Okay. Like I've made like a whole slew of like tape noise-based uh, one-shots, which there might be a, sound, a sample pack coming someday in the not, not distant future, um, uh, and loaded them up on the, on the DigiTact, which is the sampler mm -hmm. I use. And I have some of, them, some of them in Ableton as well, but I do most of my drum stuff on the... Just 
on the hardware device. Yeah, are you actually playing them out? Like mm -hmm. with your okay. Yeah, I, I write everything in with with MIDI or just dragging audio files in. So yeah, totally. Super opposite. I, I I got a question. Why why do you think it is that when you're running this stuff through this analog equipment, that when you listen to the music, there it gives you so much more feeling, even though it's the same. It's so I mean they're close to the same melodies. I mean obviously, but why is it that running it through the analog equipment creates that feeling in the music? Do you, hmm. have you ever thought about that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> um, man, I think the ear is like super smart and works super fast, like way faster than our eyes. And the ear can like hear any moment there's like any, like even two of the smallest waveforms, if they repeat in a way that is like exactly the same or close to exactly the, the same, I think the ear like hears it, it perceives it as unnatural. And when you, for certain things, when you put them through analog gear, like distortion, and like all the tape stuff we're talking about, there's like a degree to which like the, what that does to the sound is like infinitely complex in a way that no computer at this point can quite process at a fast enough speed, even with the like super good, super fast plugins. For me, at least the distortion is just not the same because it can't, it can't get to that level of like literally like electrons moving to make the sound, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that like just, imparts such a, a like complexity that's like hard to recreate that, that, that's why i was mentioning the other thing about software like do you really think it's possible because essentially you need a life engine to really do what almost ai yeah. almost ai engine ai yeah, lo-fi like, plugin what's what's that computing uh platform that, that. that's that a good idea <laughs> <laughs> was like quantum computing or something mm -hmm. that people are building like maybe when that comes around they'll be able to recreate <laughs> True. distortion we got a plug in with like look we literally had to develop an AI intelligent environment where beings live and that tape recorder lives there you gotta like buy a new computer to use your plug-in <laughs> a supercomputer. what are we at on time right now Oh sweet, yeah, we can wrap it up pretty soon because we got we got to do workshops today. We got to do yeah, for sure, all kinds of shit. I Dang, mean, we flew can. By. Yeah, that was, that was this is an mean, awesome yeah, episode, man. I think I think there's a lot of people who this is their first touch of this kind of stuff, like mm -hmm. first touch. They they didn't even know. Yeah, what they, they, it was. Is. I noticed that on my post, it was like they've never seen, they've never even seen it before. I, I get so many comments that are like what the fuck are you doing? They thought I invented that. And I was like, no, I did not. I did not invent this well, shit. This shit has been going on for many, many years. Also, I don't think the names are correct either. Like, for example, saying the word lo-fi, th this is, doesn't come to their head. Like the yeah, way... they're thinking like chill lo-fi beats 24-7 yeah. totally mix. Agree. Or even... Yeah, they're imagining like anime videos and studying yeah. on YouTube and shit. And also just the idea like that comes from the word like low fidelity, obviously. And like, I feel like the tape stuff and like everything we're talking about is not low fidelity. It's actually like much higher fidelity. It's like creating so much more action and like That's texturing an into yeah. the sounds that it's actually like really expanding what's happening mm -hmm. there. It's, it's not simplifying. Dude, I noticed that with the new pack when I, cause I mean, obviously, you know, all our, we've had tons of different packs and stuff, but the way the eternity came out using this, it was like so the much. The drums just sound so the much The drums warmer. especially were so crisp and like so much feeling instantly, you know, it sounded mm. like an old record. It or like something. takes out all the stuff you don't like sometimes too. That's what I've noticed. It mm. takes away these bad frequencies. It's almost like they're not allowed to exist in the tape machine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, we could talk about this all day. We're about to. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to go to my house so we can actually play with some stuff. Yeah, I yeah, think we're we should, make we should probably sounds. wrap it up. One last question. Yeah, let's. let's bonus round. I think that's better because we got a lot of. Wait, do what? Well, I'm saying you want to do one one last question instead of the bonus round. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, just I, I don't know if we need today. to do the bonus round on every single episode, anyways. <laughs> What's the bonus round? And we just we just like do like a bonus round on Spotify and SoundCloud only, but it's kind of hard work to go over there, obviously. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, by the way, you know, we we so we created a web page has every single episode and has every single winner from every single episode. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. a good idea. It's it's about to be ready. So for those of you who kept saying we we said we keep announcing, but it's actually going to be very soon. We should actually announce those too. Yeah. All right, do you, are we gonna do a giveaway? Uh, I mean, yeah, we can do a giveaway. Yeah, you can you can run it real quick, and then we'll ask a couple more questions. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, so a couple couple things here before we do the giveaway. Um, I want to say that uh, where what do you want people to to walk away with? Where do you want them to find you? Check out uh, all the kind of great definitely stuff. check if out want, his Instagram right. If you now. want to promote anything, feel free to promote whatever whatever you want to. Totally. Yeah, check out the Instagram. You can just search blank forms. There's a dot before the MS, but a lot of times it comes up before you've gotten that far in the search. Um, 
and uh, check out my new EP. You can find it everywhere, Spotify, all those places. Um, yeah, yeah, come follow me. Come say hello. Ask me questions. Yeah, I saw you're super active on there, replying to people. And stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to meet everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. We'll be linking them up and probably posting you on Instagram and stuff so people will find you. Um, sweet. And, and you have sample bags, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. I do. A couple of them. Tape haze one, tape haze two. Yeah, absolutely. Tape haze. Mm -hmm. What does haze mean? It's just a true likes that. abstract so, de de like that. description. I thought, I thought it had like Drew's. a weed leaf on the cover or something. <laughs> Drew was hoping for something else. <laughs> it's funny. All right, cool. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and do a giveaway here. Um, so we'll give away five $100 gift cards. Let's just say, um, what was your favorite, you know, maybe... You favorite know, piece of gear that was talked about. Gear or technique one. or like interesting thing that you learned that you thought was just super awesome in this episode. We'd love to hear it. There's a lot on this one. Yeah, cool. Well, guys... Tyler right. Gibson. We'll we'll do, do one more. more. No, we're gonna Blank. do one more question real quick. Oh, one more question. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about this. So you have a live set, do you? I do. Uh, I want to hear about that a little bit and what you do exactly. Oh yeah. sure. I know it's not just some CDJs. Right. The, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I use the four one four, the tape machine, four track tape machine. Um, I sort of like have a, a signal flow with it. So there's that. It's running into my modular setup, which we didn't even talk about modular. Oh it's probably God. good because that is just a That's rabbit a, hole. That is a rabbit hole in itself. Um, but essentially, it's running into this effect setup I've built that has some like delays and harmonizers and EQ stuff, filter stuff. I can put upon the whole sound, and then that flows into a reverb, which just then goes finally out to the the house sound. But basically, ninety nine percent of what I'm doing is on the tape machine. And I have a bunch of tape loops that I'll just sort of like improvise with and build textures with. And then I also have like full tracks that have been built in the DAW that I have broken out onto the four tracks on the tape machine. And so then I can sort of like mix in elements mm -hmm. from the tracks and kind of improvise a live version of the track that is still like very much true to the original track. Um, and it uh, just kind of flows through everything and with all of the stuff like this that I have, I can take what already, what already exists, what people have already heard, and just kind of like expand upon it and make it super like woozy or textural or just, you know, whatever is right for the moment. That's cool. Do you play a lot of those? I don't play out a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I love it to, like I love to be in kind of a little bit. It's it's actually, like, it's now that I've process. got the live set built up, it's actually pretty fun. Um, so you need to come play at our showcase in, in New York. We we'll do yeah, our artist showcase yeah. night. We'll get you a slot. Dude, dude you up. would be doing way more than what the <laughs> other people are doing. They're just plugging in their phones most of the time. So Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more of a like working in the lab sort of a guy mm -hmm. than going out and playing for people, but I, I do enjoy it when I do it. That's awesome, man. Cool. cool. Well, we can wrap it up on that. Sweet. This is a really cool episode. Yeah, this is fun. Another episode Sweet. in the bank.